It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I will introduce my guest in a moment, and I promise this is going to be a lot of fun. First, I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. Patience is an important character quality that leads to greatness. It's something that I've had to learn over the years, and when properly applied, it can lead to amazing outcomes. For example, I applied for one of the SBA loans during the pandemic last year, and they tried to disperse funds to me in June of 2020. However, the funds bounced back because my business bank account had been closed. My bank didn't tell me this, and neither did the SBA. In fact, I didn't find out for two whole months, and I only learned about it because I had to call and ask why I hadn't gotten my funding yet. Right. (laughs) So I ended up setting up a new bank account and went back into their queue, which by now was much longer than it was before. Fast forward, my credit is a lot better now. I qualified for a much higher loan amount. And this morning, I got a letter informing me that the funds have been dispersed. So happy, happy day. Being patient and improving your credit can go a long ways toward getting you the results that you want. With all this in mind, I want to introduce my very special guest. Her name is Angelique Brewers. Let me tell you a little bit about her. After launching the multi-million dollar consulting firm Bold House in 2010, business expert Angelique Rewers has grown her business to one of Inc. 5000's fastest growing companies, which sits among the top 2% of women-owned businesses in the U.S., serving over 10,000 small business owners across 72 countries. She leads Bold House in helping clients to break free of limiting ideas, scaling their businesses, solving pressing business issues, and avoiding the problems that business owners frequently face. She's a leader empowering small and diverse business owners. Business Digest has named her a first champion for small business owners, and Inc. Magazine has named her as the undisputed champion at helping small businesses land big clients. She has been featured in Huffington Post, Forbes, Yahoo Finance, American Express, Washington Post, Entrepreneur, ABC, and so many more. We can't even begin to go on and on about how many more she's been in, but we're going to have a really great time. Very, very informative. We have a lot to uncover and unravel today. So here we are with my very special guest, Angelique Brewers. Angelique, how are you today? Oh, Brian, I am awesome, and I'm so happy to be here with you. I am very happy that you are here, too. This is going to be absolutely fantastic and amazing. The first question I usually ask everyone is, did you envision early on that you would be where you are now? Oh, no, definitely not. All I knew was that there was no way I was going to spend my entire life behind a desk working in a typical job. That I knew. Mm -hmm. What the alternative was to that, I had no idea. I just knew I didn't want to be in an office my whole life. Yeah. And I think sometimes we don't move because we have no idea where we should be instead. And so even if we hate where we are, we just stay there because the known, even if we hate it, is more comfortable than the unknown, which we don't have any idea what holds for it. I think that's true. Um, Often, though, when you start asking the question, answers Mm -hmm. get presented to you. That certainly is what was happening for me. I was working Mm -hmm. in corporate 
And um, I was one of those sort of burnt out people. That was, that was, I feel like almost another generation of burnt out versus where people are today in their jobs. Right. But in the roles that I had, they were really great roles. I mean, I really was very fortunate in my corporate jobs. I worked directly for senior executives. I was on very exciting projects. And one of the things over the 10 years I was working in corporate is I hired a lot of outside experts. And so they had always been there, but it wasn't until I was darn well frustrated with my job and I was saying, I want something different, that suddenly I started realizing that the answer had been right in front of me, mm. that I was watching these other consultants. I was hiring these other consultants to come in. I was making sure that the work that they were doing was what we needed. I was the one authorizing their invoices to go get paid. I was the one negotiating their contracts with them. And so really it was at a moment of frustration. It was about midnight. I was sitting in my office. I was the last person left there and I was pretty ticked off at mm -hmm. the miserable day I had had. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this invoice of this consultant that I had hired. And I'm just looking at the dollar figures on the bottom of this invoice, realizing that he had worked a fraction of what I had worked. And yet he was making as much in one month that I was making in the entire year. Yeah. And so that was that light bulb moment. So I think when you're good and frustrated, you sometimes start seeing things that were there all along that you just mm -hmm. didn't know were there. Absolutely. So tell us more about your path. You ended up becoming one of those corporate consultants after you saw how much other people were making. Was that a straight line? So that was the first thing I did. So I essentially put in my, I knew that's what I was going to do. That was all I knew at the time. I think that's something that's a good lesson. Sometimes yeah. it's just about taking the very next step. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to take a step. And so what I knew was corporate. I knew how to be an expert inside the company. So then I could definitely do it from the outside. So I started my consulting business. It was really what happened next that I didn't expect. You know, I started getting invitations to speak at conferences for women business owners and small business owners. And I started getting them asking me about how I started my consulting business and how are you getting these corporate clients? And so it really, you know, had I not done the first step, mm -hmm. the next step on the path would never have appeared. Right. So that that I think is a big part of it. You're, it's never a straight line. But if right. you take no steps, there's no line at all. Yeah. A lot of us have a defining moment. Perhaps it's a rock bottom moment. What was that for you and how did you get out of it? Oh, I think my defining moment um, was several years before I left my corporate role. Um, I had just had a loss in, in our family, someone who was very, very close to me. Mm -hmm. And um, that loss triggered an autoimmune response. Oh. And I woke up and um, I couldn't see out of one of my eyes at all. And I could barely see out of the other eye. Mm. And so I'm 25 years old and I don't really know what's happening. And uh, I won't go into all the sort of details of that. But needless to say, I was having an autoimmune issue. Right. And, um, and when you're stuck at home with an IV in your arm for, I don't know, six, seven, eight weeks, and you can't see, you have mm. a lot of time to contemplate your life. And when you're young, you think you have all the time in the world. And then something like that happens. And as they're going through the various potential prognoses for what's going on for you, all of which are equally terrifying, mm -hmm. um, it really brings your life into perspective really quickly. Um, I made a full recovery, I'm happy to say, um, but that wasn't guaranteed that I was going to make a full recovery. And so really that was the moment, Brian, that I really started asking myself, 
what do I want to do with my life? Do I really want to, I, I, after college, I got a job because that's what you do. I had student loans to pay, but that really lit a fire under my rear end in a way that I think a lot of other things never could have. Yeah, absolutely. So when things get tough, what causes you to not give up? Well, I think that's, that experience is one. Um, when you, when you're facing something that terrifying, the law of relativity right, kicks in. Mm -hmm. And so everything now becomes relative to that moment. Right. So I think, I think that's part of it. I think another part of it too, is a little bit of my faith. Now I'm not really a religious person, but I'm, I'm a very spiritual person and I really do believe like my personal belief. And I think that we're all entitled to, to our personal belief. Like, I think, I feel like that's one of our things is that from a spiritual perspective, we've all got to decide what that means for us. But I think that my greatest fear is not leaving it all on the field, yeah. right? Like we have this opportunity. I don't know if we come back and get another opportunity. No, none of us know for sure. And so I really just want to play full out, you know, in this life. And so to me, whenever something gets hard or gets tough, I'm like, okay, this is hard, but is it harder to do it in a way that you have to live with the fact that you knew at the end of your days, you didn't play full out in this lifetime. I think that's harder. And so for me, it's about putting things in perspective to, to yes, that's hard, but there's many things that are harder. You know, sometimes business owners say, oh, it's too hard to do this. It's too hard to do yeah. that. I flew in last night. I landed just before 2 a.m. in West Palm Beach. Mm. I didn't get home until after 2.30. I didn't go to bed until after 3.30. And my my meeting this morning with my EVP uh, who works for me was at 7 a.m. Oh. So there, there are days that are hard, you know, but it's harder to not be successful. It's harder yeah. to have regrets that you didn't go all in. So that's that's a long-winded answer, but that's that for me is the answer. Wow. It's harder to have regrets. That's, that's profound. And it's, it's really true. I I love and appreciate that very, very much. So let me ask you this. It takes a certain mindset and skill set to get to six figures, but to elevate to seven figures, there has to be a shift. So what do you think are the differences in the skill sets and mindset of someone who achieves a seven figure and beyond income versus six figures or less? You know, People have been asking me questions for 20 years, and I don't know that anybody has ever asked me that question, Brian. I love it. That's um, a win. That's a win that's for me. Win. Thank you. He's ever asked me that. You can get to six figures. You can get to multi six figures um, just through cause and effect, just through mm-hmm. the right actions, just by you know consistency, working some extra hours, pushing harder. Mm-hmm. You can't get to seven figures. Um, unless you were born into a family of millionaires and you were sort of born with that awareness from the get-go. But if you weren't, if you weren't born with that mindset from the get-go, the only way to get to seven figures is to actually do the inner work. So you can get to multi-six figures with pure outer work and you can be the same closed-minded, lack of self-awareness individual <laughs> that you were before you had six, six figures or multi-six figures. Mm-hmm. You can absolutely not get to seven figures or beyond without tremendous inner work. I love that answer. I remember asking Laura Langmire one time, what was the hardest part about becoming a millionaire? She says, getting your first hundred thousand. I thought that is interesting. And she's absolutely right because you have to figure out what you're doing. You have to figure out your systems. You have to figure out what works and what doesn't. And then when you get to six figures, then you can scale the things that are working. Yeah. 
you can keep going. And then eventually though, what happens is you'll start to self-sabotage, right? Yeah. Because so you can keep going, but then, you know, you start getting to that half a million dollar mark in places like that. You can do that almost as a, as a self-employed person, Mm -hmm. but you have to radically start shifting your mindset and your inner work and your inner gremlins to, to typically get to seven, let alone multi seven figures. Fantastic. And we're coming up against our first break. My very special guest is Angelique Brewers. And that was an outstanding answer. After the break, we will talk about how she started her company, Bolt House. We'll talk about making the Inc. 5000 list. We'll talk about what her big mission is and so much more when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will be right back. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's words you never heard. Did you know that many prospective college students work under the management of handlers? A tutor helps with SAT preparation, while a consultant concocts the perfect resume to present to colleges. They say the closest people ever come to perfection is on their resume. But college admission staffs aren't so bubbleable. That means gullible when it comes to sorting out students' qualifications. What's another word for a person with enough education to go to college? A tancome. The graduation cap was initially a hood and is believed to date back to the Celtic times when druid priests wore capes and hoods to symbolize their intelligence. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week, Angelique Brewers. And... If you have not subscribed and downloaded Success Profiles Radio on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, please do that. What are you waiting for? You can get this automatically delivered to your favorite device every single week and catch the replay if you don't catch us live. We'd love to have you catch us live, but if you're listening to the replay, you're driving in your car, doing all the things, just binge listen. We've had over 440 episodes dating all the way back to January 2012. You could listen to one episode every single day for a whole year and not listen to the complete library of shows that we've done. How's that? Awesome. So, Angelique, let me ask you how you started your company, Bold House. And it's B-O-L-D-H-A-U-S. So it's the German spelling. It is. It is. Um, So the company, actually, we went through a rebrand recently. um, But essentially what happened 
is I was running, uh, I was running my corporate consulting business. And as I mentioned earlier, I started getting a lot of questions uh, from small business owners who wanted to know if I could teach them how to get the types of clients that I was working with. Mm -hmm. And I kept saying no, not because I was trying to keep it all to myself, but mostly because I just didn't see myself as someone who could teach that. That wasn't, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I just, I go get the clients. I, I didn't really in my head even know if I could break that down for others. Um, but a couple of people, a couple of individuals were very, very persistent in asking me to mentor them, to help them with their marketing, to help them with their sales strategy. And so at first I just did it as almost what you would call today as a side hustle. Mm-hmm. Because I have my big corporate contracts, and then meanwhile, I'm over on the side spending a couple of hours at Starbucks with someone trying to help them with their marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, then the next person asked, and the next person asked, and the next person asked. Fast forward, I end up speaking at this conference where I'm talking about my business growth. And I was talking about some other small business owners, and then I watched the video of that conference back of me presenting. And it wasn't until I watched the video of myself back talking about the opportunity in the corporate space and how people don't know how to get those that I actually sold myself on the idea of helping people do this. Like that could be my own, that could be a business all unto itself. And so it was really interesting that I'm like watching my own presentation at a conference on video as a replay. And I'm hearing myself thinking, why am I not doing something with that opportunity that I'm up there spouting off about on the stage? So that's how, that was really when it clicked in my head um, that I would start this company. Now it had a different name, because at the time I didn't really, I figured, you know what, I've got this other consulting business. I'm just going to start this. Who cares what I call it? A mentor of mine suggested a name and I went with it and off to the races we went. Um, but this past year, you know, we, we finally are to a point where I just felt that for the future, it was time to invest in branding for what it's worth, Brian. I think people invest in branding way too early. Um, you know, before they really know their company, they spend a lot of money on branding. And and for a lot of companies, that's a bad idea. That's that's interesting. And you know what? You're right, because I think people get locked into the idea of, oh, I need a brand. People need to know me by something. It's like, well, you don't even know who you are yet. How, you how don't do... know who you are. Yeah. And your customers, your clients are the ones who actually explain your business to you. Right. Yeah. So until you have enough clients and t- and you don't just need a proof of concept, you, re- you need track record. You need to have clients that don't work out and clients that do work out. And mm-hmm. you really need to have enough voice of the customer or voice of the client to be able to, to formulate, I think a brand that's going to work. Um, so we probably waited a little bit longer than we needed to, but mm-hmm. we were growing so fast and yeah. and there's only so many priorities you can have. So yes, we right. went through the rebrand and that was great. And um, mm-hmm. here we are. Wonderful. So your company recently made the Inc. 5000 list. So congratulations on that. Thank you. You bet. So let me ask, what do they typically look for? There's an application process to this, right? Oh yeah. There's a big application process to it, but it's really about um, your financials. So you have to turn in your tax forms essentially. So it's mm. not, you know, this isn't a competition. This isn't from a perspective of, oh, here's my, you know, essay response. And this is their essay response. Um, maybe like the fortune best places to work where they're looking subjectively at who has the best program inside their company for employees. 
this is based on financials. So depending on how many years you've been in business, you have to have a certain revenue level to even be eligible. Mm -hmm. And then actually there's a, it's a pretty complicated methodology. They don't just look from one year to the next year. They actually look over a span of a couple of years. And so they're, they're looking at multiple years and they're looking at significant growth from one year to the next over those multiple years. So, um, but essentially you're putting in a lot of your financials and you're really having to, to verify those. Wow. Was it a surprise? Um, It wasn't a surprise when the list came out. It was a surprise when my firm administrator came to me and said, I've been watching these numbers for the last 18 months. And based on last year's list, you will make the for like as long as like the percentages don't shift dramatically. Now, we were in the middle of the pandemic, so we didn't know what was going to happen. Like, sure. You know, we're literally, you know, this is, this is December of 2020. We're over the holiday break when I, when my, my firm administrator sends the numbers to our CFO and says, I really think you need to pull these numbers. I think we need to apply for this. I think we're going to make the list. And it really did come as a shock when my husband slash CFO um, came down the steps and said, I have something to show you. And I really had been marching at, you really shouldn't be surprised as a CEO, by the way, but mm-hmm. it actually was okay, I think, because the team looked at me during the the height of the pandemic as get us through this. Like, yeah. we're looking to you, Angelique, lead us through this. And my yeah. clients, our community of small business owners were looking to us going, help us, help us, lead us through this. So I, I did not look up once, if that makes sense. I mean, yeah. I was running head down for 12 straight months, or in that case, 10 straight months, I never took a breath. And so I was literally having a glass of wine in our family room and it was over the holiday break. So I was finally getting a breath Mm. and my husband just came down and he had this look on his face and I, I was in tears because I don't know that I had ever had such a stressful year where I felt the weight of the world on my shoulders. Like I did, I wanted to protect my employees jobs. I wanted to do whatever we could to support our clients. Right. Um, it was a tough year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So in a nutshell, how would you define what your biggest, your big mission is in your life or in your business? Huh, that's funny because I think it just shifted again this past weekend. Um, mm. I'm on the advisory board for a nonprofit called Space for Humanity, Oh. which is helping to ensure equity as we move to space and helping represent the, you know, the voice of humanity as, as you know, because there are going to be a lot of commercial interests and a lot of sort of governmental interests as we move to space. But what about the rest, what about the 7 million of us who live here? Right. Yeah. So I just had this amazing experience um, as an advisory board member. So I'm still kind of now rethinking that to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, but in light of where humanity is heading, I think my mission is to get as many conscious entrepreneurs a seat at the table of corporations, universities, government agencies, nonprofits, NGOs, as many conscious entrepreneurs as possible. Because, you know, the fish can't see the water, the sharpest knives can't carve their own handle. Yeah. And I think the more we get those conscious entrepreneurs to the table, mm-hmm. the better that these organizations will do the, the more they'll do the right thing, the more they'll think the right way. Um, so I really think of our community as a bunch of Trojan horses to help transform these organizations from the inside out. 
Absolutely. And so what your company does, one of the things that your company does is you help clients land big corporate accounts, right? Yep. Absolutely. Can anyone do this? No. Can anyone? No. Can more people then think that they can? Yes. Can anyone? No. Um, I mean, look, if you're going to take on a corporate company, even if it's a mid-market, because those mm-hmm. are corporations too, Yes. even a small enterprise that's that's legally a corporation that might have you know 500 employees, you better care about your clients. You better mm-hmm. be good at what you do. Um, but if you're committed to what you do, you're good at what you do, You, if you say, hey, this, we're going to show up and provide these cleaning services, and you show up and provide those cleaning services, then sure. Can anyone? I think that's that's almost like a step too far for me, because yeah. I've certainly met folks that just are not serious about their business at all. They're just right. hobbyists. But mm-hmm. anybody who's serious about their business, heck yes. Awesome. So for those that are capable but aren't, what stops them? Is it self-limiting beliefs? Is it time? Is it they're not quite good enough yet at what they do? What do you think it is? I think it's um, lack of know-how combined with self-limiting beliefs. Does make a lot of sense. I love that. So what do you believe are some of the biggest challenges that these companies face before they decide to hire a consultant? Because I'm guessing a lot of them think we don't need help. We're fine. We handle it internally. Yeah, so there's, um, and we work with all experts. So sometimes they're coaches, sometimes they're keynote speakers, sometimes they're consultants, sometimes they're service providers, software companies, et cetera. So, you know, typically, not typically, there's really only three reasons that a company hires someone on the outside. Either they don't know how to do it themselves. That's number one. Number two, they don't have the bandwidth to do it themselves. Or number three, they feel like they need the authority of an external expert because nobody in the company is listening to them. And so they they need that person from the outside to come in. So those are the three reasons that they, that they hire outside experts. And right now, if you pay attention to the great re- resignation and the fact that companies can't hire, that second one, they don't have the bandwidth to do it, is what's driving all the opportunity right now. Wow, we've only got a couple of minutes to our next break. This has gone really fast. I had no idea we were almost up to our next break already. You uh, have talked about, and we can carry this over, we have to, a corporation's problems usually fall into four categories, people, process, product, and profit. Which do you think is the most uh, needy or the, what's the greatest need among all of those? You think it's the people? Oh, without a doubt. And it's not just finding the people. It's that people internally, um, really struggle. I mean, people can't communicate, they can't collaborate. They're, they're, they don't hold themselves accountable. We've got some serious, serious people issues inside of organizations. And they will tell you, every major CEO will tell you their problem is their people. Absolutely. It's also their asset. It's also their best asset, but that's mm-hmm. the greatest place for improvement is getting is really getting their people aligned in such a way that they thrive. And we've got all sorts of problems for in the people space right now. Fantastic. We are coming up against our next break. My very special guest is Angelique Brewers, and we are talking about helping clients find corporate clients to work with and to build and scale their business. Next, we will talk about how to define and clearly narrow down your topic of expertise so that you don't appear to be a generalist because who wants to hire a generalist and what types of topics tend to get booked the most. So we will come back after the break and discuss this and so much more when we come back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Be right back.
The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Angelique Brewers, and we are talking about helping people get corporate clients to work with. And if you've not picked up my latest book, it's called Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, Volume 2. And it is based on some of the best interviews that have been on this show, including Kevin Harrington, Chris Powell from Extreme Weight Loss, Brad Sugars, Dan Locke, and so many more. And... I'm happy to announce that I'm working on a new book called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Dad. And I've got a few collaborators that are participating in that with me. The goal is for that to get released sometime in November. It might be early December, but definitely before the year is over with. So I cannot wait for that to come out. So, Angelique, let's talk about narrowing down your topic of expertise, because I think a lot of people, whether they want to consult with companies, whether they want to get on stage, I talk about leadership. Okay, that's mm. like a big, big umbrella. How do you narrow that down? Oh, man. Oh, there's so many things we can talk about with this, Brian. But here, yeah. here's one that we'll dive in. First, I just want everyone to know that when you're selling to corporations, you forget about this idea of a value proposition. The, the problem with words like value proposition is that, that what does a value proposition actually look like? And don't tell me words. Like, actually draw me in physical form a value proposition. It's this very nebulous idea, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't really like to talk to small business owners about that gobbledygook. It's, it's really a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. You've got to think about what, there are three things that you want to look. If you're targeting a certain decision maker, let's say you're targeting the head of corporate communications, or you're targeting the head of facilities management or the head of HR or marketing, et cetera, what is on their calendar? Like literally if you hacked into their computer and you looked at a hundred chief marketing officers calendars, what events are coming up, meetings, uh, top leader meetings, um, conferences, what's on their calendar? And you, you obviously can't look at this narrowly, it's just one person, but if you were to do this across all your target market, 
what are the things that keep coming up time and time again? Then the next place you want to look at is their to-do list, their project list, their task list. Um, and I'm not saying take the trash out to the curb tonight. I'm saying, well, we've got to, you know, we need to do an audit of our training development courses. We need to um, change our interview training. We need to get a whole new group of recruiters working for us, whatever it is. What are those to-do items on their task list? And then the third place you need to look is in their inbox. If you were to go into their inbox, what are the major catastrophes and kitchen fires that are brewing in their inbox that, you know, if someone walks into their office, they kind of have to slam the laptop closed because not everybody in their department can even know that that's in their email because a bunch of leaders are talking and they've got a real hot mess on their hands. So you really have to start to understand those three places, calendars, task lists, and email boxes. And somewhere in there, there's a common thread. There's a thing that keeps coming up over and over and over again. What you won't see is someone have a meeting that just says leadership development. Like right. there is no meeting that's just leadership development unless someone's in a coaching program and they're going to their leadership program. But that's not a meeting that decision makers go to. Um, and so if you really think of it through those three lenses, Brian, you start to get very specific of mm. I see because that's how they're thinking. So if you're over here talking about leadership development and they're over here thinking, well, we need to do an audit of our training curriculum for leadership. They don't draw the dotted line between, well, you said leadership development, but we're doing this audit over here of, of a leadership curriculum. Like th they do not mm -hmm. draw those dotted lines. And so it really becomes tough and you end up speaking an entirely different language than what they're yeah. speaking. And a really outside the box idea would be to start a podcast and interview the people that you want to work with and ask them the questions on your podcast that are there burning questions and then you tailor a program around that. I mean, Brian, I like we champion that so much. I mean, I can't even tell you how often we say to people, if you can create a steady stream of essentially voice of the prospect conversations and you mm -hmm. can do it in a way like a podcast, mm -hmm. um, that's one of the smartest things you can do. But then you have to ask them, tell us about some of the like in a very nonchalant way. So what are some of like the three initiatives that your team is working on? Even when you're doing the backstage in the green room before you go live out on air, if you will. Mm -hmm. Oh, so let me, you know, well, let me just tell me what you're working on so I know I can think of good questions, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to, you can't ask generalized questions. You really have to find out, you know, what these people are working on. And you need to talk to people who work for them mm -hmm. because they will often tell you what's Absolutely. real. Absolutely. Yeah. So with that in mind, what topics seem to get booked more often for consulting or even speaking? I mean, are there some topics that tend to get booked for more than others? I mean, if your topic is creativity, it's like, okay, where do you go with that, right? Yeah, you know, it's really hard to to take something like creativity because companies don't, there's no meeting called creativity, right? right? So you would have to say, okay, what's coming up in, in their business? And you would look at, well, maybe they have a whole series of sales meetings and they want to bring a whole new breath of fresh air to these sales meetings. Um, and so you would, you would want to actually shift that to say, we help sales teams innovate new thinking, um, you know, to, to reinvigorate conversations with past clients, new clients, prospective clients, right? So you wouldn't lead with creativity. Everybody wants to lead with their baby. Everybody yeah. always wants to lead with their baby. And your clients, your prospects don't care about your baby. Right. They care about the stuff in those three locations that I said. So 
any any topic actually i'm glad you asked this question ryan because really any single topic if you relate it and lead with one of the major issues in the calendar the task list or their inbox mm -hmm. you can make anything you can make underwater basket weaving yeah. relevant right. what if your topic is a little uncomfortable such as how to have difficult conversations with your team it's not feel good but it's so necessary Oh, see, I disagree. Can I, am I allowed to disagree? Yes, yes, bit? yes. Okay, cool. Okay, awesome. I'm like, we can get a little Howard Sterny here and I'll disagree. Sure. So, okay, um, so what I would disagree with that about is it is much more uncomfortable to not know how to have the difficult conversations. And so if you approach okay. it to, if, if you led with the benefit of discover how to be able to talk about anything with your team mm -hmm. without having to feel that pit in your stomach before you do, no matter what the topic, mm -hmm. managers and leaders would love that because the difficult conversations are happening. The problem yeah. is they're miserable. So if you can remove the misery, then yeah. you can make any topic relevant. The yeah. only thing, look, there's really two, really one thing. And it's funny, I, I was joking about Howard Stone, but the one, like, you, there's really not an angle on the adult side of things unless you were, you know, in maybe the health space and there's something, something there. But there's really, companies are kind of like small cities. Mm -hmm. They they really need and, and buy everything down mm -hmm. to potato chips and paper reams mm -hmm. all the way to some really, when I was in the defense sector, I would bring artists in to mm -hmm. paint murals and to create clay models of some of our new technology. So when we went out to trade shows, we could actually show what it was going to look. I mean, companies buy everything. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it's interesting too. And when, when you are pursuing a company, you have to remember that the decision makers, your audience, their audience is not your audience. You are looking for the person who has the money and making something valuable and um, palatable to them. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge, honestly, I think one of the biggest challenges is just understanding how to navigate these organizations because yeah. sometimes we 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 talk about something called the separation of person pain. Um, and sometimes who's controlling the purse strings is mm -hmm. not the same person who is experiencing the pain of the problem every mm. single day. So, you know, you might have maybe a chief operating officer who controls the purse strings, but the supervisor of the call center is the one who's experiencing the pain every day of their call center employees not being well-equipped to do their job. And so, you know, the, I think that's probably one of the toughest things for folks is sometimes just navigating that labyrinth of, mm -hmm. okay, this person has the money, they have the purse strings, but this person over here is the one who experiences the pain point every day, but they, they can't get the budget. And so those are, I think that's probably the, the most challenging sale when mm -hmm. you're going in. Absolutely. So who is your ideal client? You have three rules around this. Oh, I do. Oh, that's interesting. So my team decided I have three rules around this. Um, I, I so now I'm going to have to guess at to what well, the rules are no, that no, my I'll, team shared. Follow, follow the money is number one. Oh, those. Okay, those. Yes, the three rules of business. Thank you. That because welcome. I do have rules about who we'll take on as clients. Okay. Um, so this is when you're thinking about who your target market is going to be, right? When you're thinking about who your target market is going to be, the first one is follow the money, which is just, by the way, you guys, just the rule of business in general, business is the pursuit of profit. So you have to go in the market 
where there's money. So number one, follow the money. The second one is grow where you're planted, right? So you want to look at your, you want to look at geographically where you're planted. You want to look at your backgrounds, your career history. Even if you worked in a retail space at some point, like let's say you worked at a pet store, right? Like a pet smart or Petco or something like that. And so you're in there. So you would have more experience if you went into consumer products because at one point or retail, because you worked in it. So anytime you can look at geographically where there's a whole lot of companies in Baltimore, there's a ton of biotech in Silicon Valley. There's a ton of, of IT companies and technology startups. So you want to look at that. Um, and then you want to look at your own experience in terms of growing where you're planted. And then the third one is know thyself. And I think that's the one that is probably the most challenging for folks. People don't spend enough time really getting to know themselves and really putting themselves in environments where they personally are going to thrive. Absolutely. We've got a couple minutes until our final break. Let me ask, what ducks have to be in a row in your business before you can even think about reaching out to someone to take you seriously? Um, I think it's important to actually form a business organization, not be a sole proprietor. There's all sorts of problems that your attorney and CPA can explain to you for. So get a business and get a business banking account. That's like day one of creating a business. The next one is get a professional email address. It's really not okay to be doing business today with a Gmail account. I mean, it's fine personally, but you need to have a branded email when you reach out. It's the number one way that you communicate and yet you're constantly not branding yourself when you do that. And then the third one is making sure that you have some online presence. It doesn't have to be an expensive website you can even get started, honestly, with a really well done LinkedIn profile, but you have to have some type of online presence today for people are going to look you up. If you get an introduction, trust me, they're going online. They're going to look you up. Absolutely. We've got about a minute to our break. Where's the best place to find high level decision makers? You have to go where they are. They're not going to be on Facebook. They may not even be on LinkedIn. Join clubs, be in masterminds. Yeah, definitely. No, the biggest thing you want to do, one is either create your own thing to invite them to your own executive roundtable, for example, or you really want to look at industry conferences, which right now are mostly online, but they're coming back in person. Um, but, you know, every industry, food and beverage, retail, consumer electronics, consumer products, every single industry has thousands of conferences. And that's where the real players play. Fantastic. We're coming up against our final break. Please stay with us. Don't go away. This is Success Profiles Radio. We will be right back after the break. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. 
This is the TokiNet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. It's words you never heard. Have you heard about Mel and Joy Schwanke, a Nebraska couple that have worn matching outfits for the last 35 years? Apparently, they have over 140 matching outfits, all custom-made, which typically match her dress with his tie. The couple is a match made in heaven. Neither one of them can remember the exact date they started this quirky tradition, but they both contend it's one of the elements that have held their marriage together an impressive 65 years. What do you call a marriage between well-matched people? No Nomagamosis! Mr. and Mrs. Schwanky say that Velcro connects them because they do everything together. If you like doting on your wife with excessive fondness, you would be uxorious. And a woman who is excessively devoted to her husband is maritorious. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Angelique Brewers, and we are talking about helping people land corporate clients to build and scale your business and have extra credibility in your business. I would love to ask about an example of someone you've worked with who's landed a big client. I'm sure you've got pages and pages and pages of these, but is there one that stands out to you at the moment? Yeah, one of my favorite stories is actually a woman who I met at a small business owner conference many years ago. She's been a client of ours for a long time. And when I first met her, she was actually working only with small business owners. I won't say what she was doing because some folks out there would be able to triangulate this, but mm-hmm. um, but she was working only with small business owners. She had a pretty small business. It was, it was, she was happy. Like she, you know, she really, she did like her business. She was doing great things, but she knew that she wanted to do something bigger. And she came to us and said, but I'm not sure that I have anything to offer to these companies. Like I see what you're talking about and I really want to be a part of that space and I really want to play bigger, but I'm not really sure how I would take what I've done for small business owners and make it relevant for big companies. Yeah. And so we ended up working with her, um, to find that actually two are coming to mind. And, um, and sure enough, you know, we looked at what she did and we said, this is exactly how this becomes really juicy and relevant to companies. And now she's working with almost every major technology company out there. Um, I can't name them, but trust me, you guys know them. Okay. Um, and, and just, and the work she's doing, let me add this, the work she is doing has impact on small business owners everywhere. And so, um, because of the work she's doing through corporate, she's actually reaching and positively impacting small business owners all over the planet. Something she probably would not have been able to do had she only worked with small business owners. You're working with corporate is the ultimate force multiplier. Um, another one of our clients, uh, worked in an industry his whole life. He retired, um, and he learned something really profound in this industry. He had a very unique job. Um, and you know, there's only so many people on the planet who have this particular job. Um, he did it for 30, 35 years, uh, with a major company. 
And he left and he had this concept, almost like this mindset concept. It was very, it's very succinct. And he actually went and did uh, strategy days with some of the top professional development coaches in the world. Again, you guys would know exactly who those people were. They're names that are household names. And every single one of them said to him, this is, this is not a business. This is not a business. There's like companies don't need this. Like they Mm -hmm. just could not see the value in it. And then he ended up flying down here to South Florida. We're we're, uh, near Fort Lauderdale and he flew in and we did a strategy day with him. And we, I took one look at it. I mean, honestly, we do the discovery before we get to the strategy days, but I took one look at it and I called my EVP and I said, do you see it? And Phil's like, yeah, I, I saw it like within five minutes. I'm like, yeah, I see it too. And interestingly, it's right now companies probably need this more than ever, but we really like to like one of our things that we like to do is we love helping people scale to 500 K and a million and beyond. But we also love taking things that people are like, I don't see how this key fits in the lock of companies and we love to carve that key for them. And Mm -hmm. so that's really some of my favorite stories is when they can't see it, and we look at it and just get so excited and know exactly where where the positioning is. And that that's like one of my favorite moments in my job. Absolutely. And you mentioned the mid-market space earlier. I think when yeah. a lot of people think about corporate clients, they think of Disney, Lowe's, mm-hmm. uh, Chick-fil-A. Those are sexy companies to want to work with. But there aren't as many of those as there are of mid-market companies. So that actually can be a more lucrative space to play oh, in, right? We love mid-market. Can I just tell you, everyone says, yep. and I'm sorry, small business owners, I'm about to kill Santa Claus here. I'm very sorry. Yep. But you know, everyone always says that small business is the backbone of, of America. It's actually not true. Statistically, it's not true. I mean, don't get me wrong. Small businesses do keep our lives moving. Mm-hmm. But when you look at where employment growth happens in terms of who's creating the most jobs, when you look at the GDP growth in terms of where that's happening, where some of the best innovation is happening and just added economic value to the country, it's actually the mid-market space. Mm -hmm. And everyone overlooks that. Everyone either focuses on small business or the big, sexy brands. Oh my gosh. But those middle mid-market corporations, oh, and they're so much fun to work with because- You can get right to the senior leaders that you can see an impact more quickly and they're doing some of the sexiest work out there because they're still the gazelles, you know, they're still growing really fast and they're moving fast. And, um, yeah, we love that sector for reference. How are we defining mid-market a million to 50 million a year? Yeah. So mid-market usually, so depending on who you ask, um, mid-market, tends to start around 50 million. Oh, so okay, you're, you're pretty much a small enterprise. You're really a micro business till you're about 10 million from 10 million to about 50 million. You're a small enterprise at about 50 million. You kind of move into that mid market space. Um, so in different there, there's the, um, the national center for mid market that's out there and they have their own numbers. So that's a great resource to check out. Um, some big companies like some IBM, I'll never forget IBM and Intel. They tend to define small business, small business as anything up to a hundred million dollars. So, you know, so that's how IBM looks at small business. So, so everybody, there is no one right answer. I'm going to get some emails about Angelique. That's not the numbers. No, listen, guys, I've looked at all the numbers. Everybody has, different numbers. We, we generally tell people, look at it as about 50 mil. 
Absolutely. So when you are working with your own clients and they're wondering, well, who should I work with? Do you advocate that they develop some kind of a dream 25 or top 20 list or something like that to start with? Um, Actually, not to start with, interestingly enough. We okay. we move them there. Um, where we start with is proximity. We actually start with their Rolodex. There's this real interesting thing that happens that people think just because we have social media and, and online tools that you should instantaneously start, start marketing out to people who have no idea who you are. And of course, yeah. that's insane. You should work hot to cold, guys, right? So um, so we always start with their Rolodex. We start with who do you know? Let's just look. Let's just look. Let's look at your LinkedIn. Let's look at where you used to work. Let's look at your relationships. We can get you right to conversations with those people. Once they get their business up and going, they get consistency. They're really getting to a point where they know their messaging in such a way that they can put a key in a lock and turn it. Then we move to, hey, let's look at those dream clients. But it's really crazy when you don't know what you're doing yet to yeah. go to the coldest, iciest place and try yeah. to plant a tree. Like plant right. a tree, nice, like fertilized soil, you know? Yeah. How do you know when to cut a client list and let them go? Um. That I think is really easy. The moment that you don't enjoy working with them, the Good. moment. Yeah, I, I love that very, very much. So you've done a ton of media. How did that happen for you? Well, part of my corporate jobs, um, to be fair, I had a bit of an advantage because I was a spokesperson for all the companies that I ever worked for. So I did a ton of media right out of college. I was in the media space. So um, I started in media analysis and then I went to the other side of the microphone, if you will. But, um, you know, I've done some myself. I've booked some myself. Um, but honestly, I really think it's one of those things that you really should outsource. Mm -hmm. Um, even though I'm somebody who did it in the fortune 100 space and I know how to do it, I don't have time to do it. That's not the highest and best use of my time. The highest and best right. use of my time, honestly, Brian is coming to a program like this that delivers quality content. Every single episode mm -hmm. curates the best, you know, experts out there coming to a place like this and focusing on the conversation with you is the best mm -hmm. use of my time. So I think it's about finding the right PR person. Fantastic. What are your top two or three core values? Oh, loyalty, mm -hmm. honesty, courage. Loyalty, honesty, and courage. Those are outstanding. Those are really, really great. I, I agree with all of that. So thank you so much. How do you know what to say yes or no to? Because we get asked to do a lot of things that we don't want to do. Well, I think that's part of it, right? If you really don't want to do it, is it is it because it brings you no joy or are you just afraid? If you're afraid, then that probably means you actually should do it, right? Yeah. If you're afraid of it, go do it. Um, you're not going to grow. I do things that scare me all the freaking time. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's how you grow. But if you don't enjoy it, then say no. I think here's the thing, though. People have been going out there, say no, say no, say no, say no. How did I build an Inc. 5000 company? Mm -hmm. I say yes. Mm -hmm. to a lot of things. I am a yes person. If an opportunity gets, if a sponsorship opportunity, a speaking opportunity, an opportunity to have this incredible conversation with you comes my way, I'm going to say yes to that. Absolutely. So everyone's made this, you know, platform of telling entrepreneurs to say no. Yeah, you shouldn't be doing stuff in the weeds, but oh my gosh, when somebody brings you an opportunity to put you in front of your target market, even if there's a dollar figure with that, you mm -hmm. better say yes. Absolutely. You know, so you got to say yes. Absolutely. Two or three of your top productivity tips. Um, 
send out stuff that other people have to get going first. So I'm constantly getting all my phone calls made, getting my team started on projects, getting our consultants started on things. I'm always giving them what they need so they can be working in the background when I'm getting done the stuff. And I'm every morning, what do I need to get other people started on? Where do I need to give people feedback so they can keep moving? So I make that my priority. Um, I, um, other than that, uh, this is going to sound ridiculous, but honestly, I am one of the fastest typers out there. And if you don't know how to type, I watch these people at the airport. I'm like, what the heck are you doing hunting and pecking? We live on our laptops today. So I'm an incredibly, incredibly fast typer. And the third is learn how to communicate because most of your problems that are causing slowdown in your productivity is because you failed to communicate effectively, mm -hmm. concisely and lead with the action, the desired outcome that you need from others. Fantastic. And in a nutshell, who inspires and motivates you? We've only got about a minute left. Then I want to ask you how we can find you. My clients, we have over 600 uh, small business owner clients that are just in our one collective alone. Every single day, they show up with courage. They have they speak truth to power in organizations in 114 countries around this world. And they are the reason that I will only get three hours of sleep sometime because we're here to serve them. Fantastic. And 30 seconds to the end. How can we find you? How can we try with you and vibe with you? Uh, boldhouse.com, B-O-L-D-H-A-U-S.com, boldhouse.com. And there are some awesome resources there for you guys if this was inspiring to you. A Angela Grewers, thank you so much for being here. You were awesome. Thank you, Ryan. You're amazing. Thank you so much. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever and learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn from them along the way. Until next week, take care, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.